0: westwooddental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former blues defenseman, Jamie rivers powered by together credit union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the last minute blues podcast, Donnie Fandango. And, uh, we have got a special guest host, uh, this week. So we have got Jamie rivers who is involved in blues hockey camp going on at Team right now. Uh, our, our absolute homie, Jeff Burton is still, uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. So, uh, joining me today, uh, to do the last minute blues podcast mr chris kerber your voice of the blues how you doing Kerbs? listen with with
1: with the changes that are happened for this week i guess i get to ask you being the main host of the show the question says you are the expert
0: oh boy if you're gonna call me an expert at anything, man, this is gonna be this is not gonna be a good time curves. <laughs> like, like, the reason that this works is because I very much know that I am not the expert. But you know, I wanna I do wanna tell everybody though that Jamie and I did get an opportunity last week, last Thursday, we went and visited Jeff for a while. We ended up we were there for almost a couple of hours. And um his spirits that's were, a good
1: stretch of energy then.
0: I, I feel yeah. like I feel like it, you know. Um but uh he was in really great spirits and was making fun of me every chance that he had the opportunity to and so it was really uh it was really awesome to see him
1: and yeah we, listen we know he's in just the battle of all battles but uh that kind of fighter spirit the hockey guy in him the hockey guy in him leaves and i'm telling you i've seen it before the mind is such a powerful thing the mind can control some stuff here uh you know not not to the point of star wars mind tricks but it is a it is a powerful uh it is a powerful thing. So I'm glad you guys are able to spend some time with him. That's that's fantastic. And I
0: think, and I'm pretty sure that this is coming to fruition tomorrow. But his favorite band, Blue October, is in town with Goo Goo Dolls, and I believe that Justin, the lead singer from Blue October, is going to surprise Jeff tomorrow and give him a little give him a little visit, play some songs. For I mean, this, this isn't going to air before that, is it? Uh, no, it will not. air Okay, before good. That. <laughs> well, also too. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's what I would have to bet on: is Jeff pulling up the podcast and giving us a listen. And- and I just don't see don't that see as that happening. happening. I don't I'm see that as you. happening. Okay. So, uh, Curbs, I, I hope that, uh, you know, there's a lot of hockey to talk about. But I just got back a week or so ago from uh, from a summer vacation. The first Fandango family summer vacation in three summers. Wow. All right? We went to Fort Morgan, Alabama. All right, right near Gulf Shores. Right on the
1: Gulf Shores. I know where that is.
0: Had an absolutely amazing time. Now, from time to time, Curbs, there are things that happen in the day-to-day life that would not chap most people, but they have a tendency to get to me, all right? <laughs> and one of those situations occurred on the it's, beach, it's and it's I'm a just curious. aspect
1: of your DNA is <laughs> yeah, what you're saying, Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. And so
0: it's, it, it's situations like this where I kind of throw something out to Jeff and Jamie, and then I can, you know, kind of j- judge from there whether I'm, you know, crazy or not. So I guess this was like the third or fourth day that we're going to this beach. There's not a lot of people on the beach, thankfully, but... We're going to kind of the spot that we had went to the few days before, and there is a tent with people, um, and they are blaring "Nights in White Satin." That uh, "Nights in White Satin." So, the only day that we're there, or the the only time that this happened while we were there, this guy, for the hours in which that he were there, his music was on full blast throughout the course of the afternoon because uh, he
1: wanted to be able to hear it anywhere he would be on the beach. I- I would assume so. Or now, he was just trying to be too cool for school.
0: I would think so. Okay, because listen, man, I like my music at the beach too. I do. But like we bring a little speaker, we try to make it loud enough so that we can hear in our tent area, but then once you're out in the water, who cares, man? Who cares? Like, right what are we doing so this whole time and then also too what drove me absolutely insane curbs is that i think this guy's playlist was like seven or eight songs because i heard nights in white satin Uh, like 40 (laughs) times on that afternoon i'm not crazy to think that this guy should be a little nicer and like you know turn the volume down just a little bit because i've had people on the air say that i'm like a party killer and no fun and all that kind of stuff i'm fun i'm a lot of fun i just thought that was rude well, did you go kick sand in his face? Oh, no, man, no. We were too busy having a good time, dude. Like, it, ultimately, it really, you know, didn't matter. And then once I was in my tent, I could hear my, you know, 60s Motown jams or you whatever I was listening out. to. Yeah, but it's still just the general thought that creeps under my skin a little bit.
1: It's the general thought that uh, you're living in his world. and it, 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 that I don't think you're nuts. I just think that you just, unfortunately, for that one day, had just what too many people deal with these days, which is... People just not having
0: enough courtesy
1: for others around them.
0: Yeah. That simple. But, and also, too, and I, and I, and but I, n- and would I knew- this
1: be different if his playlist was better? Was better <laughs> and longer. Like, let's, so my daughter said the other day, um, she's gotten like crazy nuts into country music. Okay. And, and so, so when I'm playing like, like 30 seconds to Mars and stuff or something to get her, I'm like, okay. Change it up for a little bit, and we're going this route while we're driving. But when uh, uh, she says, okay, well, she goes, well, I got one country playlist, Dad, that's 24 hours long. I said, what's the point of that? Okay. I mean, even if you listened for your list for 20 minutes a day, you know, while you're driving somewhere, okay, that, that would take you three days to get through one hour to 24 times 3 that's 60 plus 12, that's 72 days worth of music before you've ever heard a repeat and but, having said that if this guy had say a 4 hour playlist
0: that was good, you might be thinking something totally different I, I, I maybe I we could link up speakers or something, I don't, I, I, I just what
1: would have been good is if you'd gone over to him and said, "Hey, you mind mixing in a little <laughs> like it, like like I don't know. Start like hit hit the Pandora channel and give us some variety, right? Because if you're gonna play it that loud." All right, fine, but at least give us some variety. A hundred percent, absolutely. And, then and also, you should have recorded that conversation, like some audio of it, because that would be awesome to have well, right now. And
0: also, too, it might be evidence for when the guy tries to smash me in the face. Also, <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that I, I mean, I expected, but didn't completely expect is so every single you know, like tent of somebody that were, that that were at that beach. Every one of them, besides us, had a college football team in which that they were representing, and a majority of them were what was Alabama, obviously. But it was just so. Like,
1: was it was it obvious on their shorts, their umbrellas, or their coolers?
0: Everything. Okay. Like seriously, like and and then like they would have these like banners in their tents for Tennessee, and for, it was. It, it just uh, – that is just a world that I still don't, I think, fully comprehend how gigantic that it is and how much fun that it can be because I've just never been in that kind in of that college football hotbed sort of thing.
1: You, okay, you understand your passion for blues hockey mm-hmm. and how strong that is. Yeah, a little and, crazy. And you will miss things to watch a game or go to a game. Like that – Like it, it can dominate your world for a while. Yes. Okay. That's the same thing as as SEC football. There's just so many more fans to it. and I'll give you I'll give you two quick stories on this. One so I worked in Birmingham, Alabama for two years, all right in the East Coast Hockey League. Mm-hmm. If on a Saturday night Alabama and Auburn played during the day, if they both lost this honest to God, this is the truth. if they both lost, you can get into just about any restaurant around town. Whether it be a nice restaurant to Applebee's, okay, in 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 no time, like no wait. If one won and the other lost, and this isn't them playing together, right? You know, let's say Alabama's playing LSU and and Auburn is playing Tennessee, mm-hmm. okay? All right, if Alabama won and Auburn lost, or Auburn won and Alabama lost, you were looking at about a forty minute to an hour wait. In most places. If they both won, forget it. Barbecue. Like, if they both (laughs) won, you were waiting two hours because everybody 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 was out partying. But when when Mizzou jumped to the SEC, Eli Gold, who used to do Birmingham Bulls hockey. Actually, I'm sorry. He used to do Birmingham Barons baseball and when he was doing NASCAR. And then the owner of the Barons baseball team told him, that uh, look, I can't have you missing games to go do your car racing thing. You got to pick one, and he says, "Okay, do I pick double A baseball or NASCAR?" I think I'll go NASCAR. Yeah, he does that, and then he and then he becomes the voice of Alabama football and Alabama sports. And Eli Gold actually did a full season of St. Louis Blues hockey in 1979. Oh wow! Yeah, he was he was the um, he, the, the first ever. Blues-Red Wings game at Joe Lewis Arena. You'll hear highlights of that, and, and it was Eli on the call there. And then most recently, I'd say five or six years ago, Eli Gold did uh, did a season of... Um, might even be six or seven years ago, but he did a full season of Nashville Predators hockey. So he's got a hockey background. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had him on on the radio show I was doing, and and I said, Eli, for people that don't fully understand SEC which is quite a bit different passion than we saw in the Big 8, the Big 10, and then whatever conference it was Missouri was in at the time they made the move. Give us an example. He says, okay, this is the best I could give you. Alabama was going to play University of Hawaii in Hawaii. People are so nuts and passionate. It's not just, hey, I'm going to go fly to Hawaii to see Alabama play. That's one thing we could all understand. That right? Okay. We, I mean, we've seen. I mean, we we saw tons of Blues fans in 2009 fly over to Stockholm, Sweden, and and play, and watch the team play, and that was awesome. These guys, these fans, bunches of them, drove their RVs to the port of Los Angeles, put their RVs on a boat, shipped their RVs over to Hawaii, so they could tailgate before the game. In their own RVs with what they did they I mean again a total different level of <laughs> hype
0: that is incredible yeah
1: shipped I mean you imagine I don't, I don't even know what the cost to put I, your what, RV on the forget the cost of gas even even then to drive your RV to Los Angeles and the time that takes but then you have to plan a head off the now what I didn't ask him was this well that had to take some time. Absolutely. So I can't imagine that they just did that in just a week. Maybe they did, but cuz I don't know how long it takes to go from the port of Los Angeles to Hawaii on boat. But so did did they not use their RV the previous week? <laughs> it was more important to have it for the Hawaii For the thing. Hawaii thing. Then the pre, I, so but anyway, that it almost the level. makes me yeah. feel like
0: not a great fan. I, I mean, <laughs> because man, that is that that is that is otherworldly. Another thing I remember is a bunch of the, in near where we were staying, where like the the sewers were in the ground, they yeah. were painted auburn colors. Oh, yeah, and that, oh, it's, that, it's they, it is insane. It's like,
1: a, listen, this is when okay, there were two things that happened. That sped up my. I've got to get a tape out and get out of here. Okay, so I, I graduate from college and I get my first job in Birmingham, Alabama. Phil Roberto was our head coach, former Blue. Okay, all right. There were t- so at the end of my second year. It's anybody. And, and it, heck, you know this in radio, you know, when you started out and you were an intern somewhere or something, whatever, and then maybe, okay, we're going to we'll give you the weather, we'll give you the sports, you'll do the overnights. And no matter where it was, you were scouring and waiting for that, an, an opening for a normal shift Yeah, and you'd apply for it. You wouldn't get it, you know, but, but you were always, you were always kind of like that prairie dog waiting for an earthquake. You're always just kind of looking around for that next opportunity, right? Absolutely. Okay. Same thing for a guy whether, you know, for every broadcaster in the minor leagues hoping to get a chance at the big leagues, whether it's baseball, football, hockey, whatever the sport. So I believe I, I want to think I have to I think it was Washington, Pittsburgh, had a four overtime playoff game. And I watched that game. It was on ESPN and I, I, I watched the whole game in my apartment and I get in the next morning to our office and I went, Wow. What would you guys think of that game? Anybody think that nobody else in the office had watched it? And we work for a hockey team. I went, okay, I'm at the point. i, I got to get around more. Like, if I'm going to continue to really learn the game, yeah. I, I've got to get around more people that really want to learn the game. You know, you could got to have conversations. The other thing that happened, right around that time, I for some reason I was going into the office early. It was like 6.30 in the morning. I turned on WJOX, the all-sports station that our games were carried on. The guy hosting the morning show was taking phone calls. It's six thirty in the morning in June, and a caller called in and asked, wanted to know how fast this Alabama recruit ran the forty yard dash. Right. And I honestly to God remember thinking, because and I think I was driving right past a golden corral when I saw this. Okay, because <laughs> I, I like I remembered it like it. I thought, who the hell wakes up in the morning? And while I'm, you're pouring milk on your Cheerios, and for this guy, it might have been more like beer on cornflakes, okay? And that's what you're thinking, to make you call up a radio station at 6.30 in the morning and say, I got to know this before the day starts. Now, maybe he was working a night shift and his day was ending, sure. so I'm gonna, I'll give him that. But I still thought, I got to get out of here. And literally that night, I went home. I made 50 tapes or so. I, I mail-merged... In the early days of Microsoft, right, mail merge, I, I, I grabbed uh, two books. I grabbed the media guide for the International Hockey League, the media guide for the American Hockey League. Mail merged. I wrote cover letters. Boom, 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 boom. And I sent tapes out to every single team in the American Hockey League. And it, so, and, and I was working off a boom box. Okay, so I, I literally went to the store, bought 50 cassette tapes, mm-hmm. right, and literally was just hitting play, record, one tape, play, record, two tapes. And I did this thing, and by 8 o'clock the next morning, went to the post office, literally with like, I don't know, it had to be 55, uh, the number of teams, and literally every team in the American League, every team in the International Hockey League. And the International Hockey League at the time, I remember, it consisted of like like the Cincinnati Cyclones, the Las Vegas Thunder, um, uh, the I think the San Diego Gulls or in International Hockey mm-hmm. League. There was the Utah Grizzlies. There were, there were like a whole lot of... Uh, um, or Denver... Was it Utah? Grizzlies are one of them. Indianapolis ice. Mm-hmm. You know, for, so... So, I mean, it was still... a. Solid, it was... You know, that, that's why the Blues were affiliated. Peoria was in the International Hockey League. Right, right, right. At the time. But, so literally sent 50 tapes out at the post. Just went, dumped them in, said, here's the postage here, and, and sent them out. I got two calls back after all that. One well, was from a guy named Bob Strum uh, that said, hey... uh, Thanks for sending me the tape, but I opened it up and uh, the cover letter you sent me—the actual cover letter—was addressed to the guy in uh, in Long Beach, the Ice Dogs. I went, I went, whoops! There's two jobs I'm not getting. (laughs) I put it in the wrong envelope, but. I love the guy for calling me to tell me that. Yeah. Okay? And when I got to the National Hockey League, and he was doing scouting all those years later in in, uh, out of West and Anaheim and stuff like that, I I reintroduced myself, and every time we'd go in, we'd have great conversations. So I love that part. And then the other one was from Bruce Landon in Springfield, and you know, a month and a half or so later, I ended up getting the job and moving up to Springfield. But it was because of just—there was just that literally 6.30 in the morning.
0: Yeah. How fast does this Alabama <laughs> recruit run a 40-yard down? I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> do, you, do you ever come across, like, your old uh, tapes and things?
1: I've got them. I'll give them to you. Yeah. I'll you, I'll let, you know what? You guys could have some fun with it. I'll, I'll get you a copy but, of it.
0: But, like, some people listen to those and are so embarrassed by what they hear. And I, I do get that. But, like, when I hear mine, and, and, again, different worlds in what we do, but, like, I, I see, like, wow, man. I was obviously not very good then. I feel like I'm at a different level now. You know, there's been some real growth and improvement and things. Like, do you ever give yourself like that kind of credit? Or do you just go, oh, man, this is crap. There's no way I'm listening to this. Oh, well, I don't
1: I don't go back and listen often. I think yeah. what I'll do is I have it. I have it because it is fun to have. And if, you know... Um, if the kids ever want to hear it or, like, if, if I – I mean, I give it to you guys and you guys can make some fun of it and have, some, have, a, have a go at it. That's, that's the fun part for mm-hmm. me. But, oh, some of it is just atrocious. Like, some of it is just um, – yeah. Oh, that's just
0: awful. I just find I myself. I, I'm listening, and at, at just, the time we thought it was great, didn't we? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I just thought, how could no one else want to hire how me? Goodness. This is insane. And I'm listening to these breaks, and I'm just pandering, pandering, pandering. It's just. But hey, you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? Well, it's. I don't know how many people.
1: Well, I I, I talked to a lot of kids, a lot of a lot of interns, uh, um. I've done some things, you know, with students at Lindenwood, at Webster, at d- different colleges. Uh, I taught for about six or seven years. I taught. Um, a, a Ralph Stanley used to be with the Broadcast Center. Yeah, I know. You where know, you and and then it became Bryant College during the lockout in 0405. And he said, "Hey, we got some people that are interested. Just reached out of the blue, met with them, and, and so for a while, like, I taught a a play by play class for them. Um, man, you can study whatever you want, but there's nothing that beats reps. And the coolest thing for young people these days is those reps can now happen on your cell phone. Remember, we had to go... I I would practice baseball in the summer, and I would take a clipboard, and I'd get the the post-dispatch when I was home in the summer, and I would cut out the box scores and notes, and I would literally tape everything to a clipboard. And I'd go down to Bush Stadium, I'd buy a $5 bleacher ticket, or I'd sit way in the upper deck... And try and find an area if nobody was there at a certain game. And I had a tape recorder, a microphone, I bought a scorecard, and on my clipboard. And I would practice doing innings that way. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean you just man, you just put it on on your phone and you could sit there. Kids that want to do video and, and get into TV, you know. Oh my gosh, before remember we used to have to you know, borrow those massive cameras from yeah. somebody if you had a friend that was yeah. lucky enough to have one. And yeah. Now you just your phone on a thing and
0: and practice you're on-camera presence. It's, my, it's really awesome. My son makes stop-motion videos, like, with, 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 our, with our iPad. Like, it's its crazy. It's awesome. But you talk about that, though. It is really amazing because I remember, you know, having those moments as well where I would be in the car. Uh, that That's kind of where I did a lot of my practices. I would be front-selling and back-selling records, um, you know, trying to make it sound as cool as I could. Pushing the limits of, like, all right, Donnie, how much can you give? Just kind of trying to find out that... That sort of way. And the thing that really sucks is that I was given amazing opportunities to work myself out on the air. You know, I did midnight to 6 a.m. for almost a year, um, which even then wasn't even really a long time. But like the the poor kids today, man, there's no place for them to be able to do that. There's no overnight shift on most stations. There's no night shift on most stations. So and like you say, reps is the way that you do it, even on my side of things.
1: Okay, so here... How many times? So, so for fans that don't know this about you, too, Donnie. Like, I think people have gotten to, the, especially with radio, having gotten to the point where there's it's so much corporate influence and data driven. Okay, where you know, and then conglomerate based, where they'll say, okay, we own a station in Anaheim, Dallas, St. Louis, and Philadelphia. And for the most part, you guys are running the same dang playlist. Here's what has to be played. Here's what's when. All right? Mm -hmm. But what's really cool, what you guys do and what you do with Tommy on the point, I don't think they know this. You guys still meet once a week and go through music. Yeah. You know, hey, we're going to play this. We're going to play more. We're going to give a band a chance. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. There's... That and I and I have to think that, that especially because you guys understand this market, you're not trying to broadcast radio shows or music to to Mobile, Alabama, in you know, order to you know, Ipsilani, Michigan. And because you guys know that and you know this, I think it leads to why this radio station and, and, and the point is so dang successful. Is because you have that approach. But there's there's old school to that. Now, haven't said that. How many times as you were coming up through the ranks? Were you sitting at a stoplight or driving down the highway, and out loud, not just in your head mm-hmm. out loud' we're, we're we're playing dj oh you yeah. were, you would say you might hear something and you'll turn that radio down and you'll 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 say a segment
0: out loud you know a hundred percent well, even now man i 'm such a psycho i I will so like when I go when we went to Fort Morgan, we went on vacation as soon as we got into mobile on the way. I remember scanning through the stations and then I start to do the breaks, how I would do them. And there, and and this was, this is so silly. So there was a jock. Um, and I don't, again, I would assume he was automobile and he said that there are only two retired numbers in all of professional sports. All right. That, that are, that are retired for the entire sport. He said Jackie Robinson and Wayne Gretzky for hockey. And that's not correct.
1: It's not accurate.
0: It's Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. I did not shut up about that for two days while we were on vacation to the point where Mary's like, honey, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure you're probably right. Maybe somebody told him something different. Just relax. Yeah, but But
1: what? Okay, so nobody in hockey is ever going to wear the number 99 again. You'd have to be. Like it's just like it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you, I, I can go so many different ways with this at the moment, right? This is why you and I are bald. We rub the top of our foreheads <laughs> right. like this, right? I'm right. like, I thought it was genetics. Turns out it was just it's it, it was just a nervous habit that actually <laughs> right. just you know rub, rubbed it dry. The the uh, um, boy, could you imagine what Jeff would have said if I just said that on. This thing where Uh, this podcast would go right there. Thank God.
0: You know what? Please
1: clip this and send that to him so he will see it anyway. (laughs) Okay. So, um, all right. Two things. Let's start hockey and baseball. All right. At the time that Major League Baseball retired Jackie Robinson's number 42, you had plenty of people that were still wearing that number. Mm -hmm. You have Move On. um, I believe. Move on. One, uh, David Ortiz, I think, um, was uh, Torrey Hunter. I think might have been I'm another sure one. Tori
0: Hunter was okay, yep.
1: and 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 there were others that that were that wore, that wore number forty two, and and a lot of them wore it because it was Jackie Robinson's number.
0: Sign of respect. Okay,
1: yep. um, obviously we know Bruce Sutter wore number forty two. You know when when he played, and know, but then baseball retired that number. Okay, which is why if you're a Cardinal fan, you go out there, you actually see. Jackie Robinson and Bruce Souter around that number forty two. Nobody's wearing number ninety nine. You know, um there was a player. Was it Carolina or was it the Islanders that was wearing number sixty six. Mm-hmm. You know, and and even then some people raised some eyebrows. That's Mario Lemieux's number. Right. And, and they, well, it takes some guts to wear that number. You're like, okay, well hang on a minute. Like somebody had to wear, you know. Somebody in baseball's got to wear number three. You know, Babe Ruth's number isn't retired, you know, for everybody. Um, you, you, so athletic trainers now, especially in hockey, and, and I don't agree with this, uh, they hold numbers back. So, for example, once Chris Pronger was traded, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wore number 44 until Daryl Sador, maybe. Wow. Okay. Right. Um, and even then, it bothered people. Uh, should Brandon Saad have been given number twenty after right then Steiner, and then? When right. he did, some people think it never should have happened. You know, I don't so much have a, a problem with it. It doesn't change my respect for Alexander Steen. Um, now, I could make the case that maybe twenty should be retired after what Steen did with it, and go look at the numbers. You know, and maybe this eventually pulls us into some of the topics you have from Blue standpoint had David Perron re-signed with the Blues, I'd almost dang near guarantee that 57 probably gets retired with where he would have finished right. in, in in a lot of the numbers. Um, but but trainers are actually, will hold numbers back, you know, and and not give them to players for whatever reason. So in that sense, it's almost like they they kind of control a retired number system, you know, and then, and then, well, then there was Bobby Plager. Okay, so... You had Rob Ramage that wore number five. We've had other people since, uh, obviously, since Bobby had retired, but you had Rob Ramage that wore number five. You had had Garth Butcher that wore number five. But in the early 2000s, when the Blues gave Alexei Gusarov the number five, Mm. I don't know, like, Bobby was pissed. (laughs) Like... I mean he was mad. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but yeah. I get it. Like he was he was mad about it. Like that number meant something and he loved what Rob Ramage stood for. Yeah. He loved what Garth Butcher stood for. Yeah. And man, the blues made that deal for Alexei Gusarov with Colorado. They brought him in, they gave him number five. They they were at one point in time. Mike Kitchen was just bag skating the holy hell out of Alexi Gooserap to the point that gooserap just goes over to the bench, and he's laying down just on a bench with his arms out like he's just totally dead. <laughs> and Bobby's like, take that number. Like, Bobby couldn't have been happier when, that, when he was gone at the end of that next year. And then it was the guy next – and he said this before he got here. The next guy that will wear number five is going to be Barrett Jackman. You know, and yeah. so – retired numbers isn't there but you're right Wayne Gretzky's number yeah. is not retired yeah, and across and hockey
0: and that's but and that's so crazy but though is too it? with with is those it? oh no 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 I just mean that that the retired number thing can be crazy because like when does it how do you judge that when does it end at the end of the day if the cardinals keep retiring numbers at this rate there's not going to be any numbers to wear
1: so it's, that's why the cardinals so the cardinals now the retired number thing is kind of morphed, and I forget exactly what system, because we had talked to them about this, because the Blues were, are are working on some things that this relates to. Um, I don't think, moving forward, your number's getting retired unless you're, you're a, a Hall of Famer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, what might change that is I Adam mean, Wainwright. Right. Yeah. Um, Melina and Pujols are going to be Hall of Famers. Okay. So from a blue standpoint, when we retired Chris Pronger's number, and, and there's great, Donnie, there's great debates about this because, for example, some would look at, say, his numbers as a blue and say you shouldn't have retired number 44. There was actually debate. For me, for you, this seems like a no-brainer, right? It's the overriding
0: career of the player that was
1: a part right. of your organization. Okay, so, but but what does that leave you then with? So, um, uh, if you look at, for example, Alexander Steen. Okay. Over 10 years with the team. No, he wasn't captain. But we make the argument that he should have been. And he was definitely a true leader in this organization. Um, look at where, when he retired, where his numbers were. He's top 10 in every category. Mm-hmm. And higher, I think he might be four or five in some of them. I, I got to double check. I didn't I didn't, didn't kind of prep for this part of the segment. <laughs> okay, so um, you, you could make the case, like, oof, you should. Um, Gary Unger's number. You know, like, there are others that you could make the case. When, when Bobby Plager's number got retired, it wasn't... Bobby, the number five got retired. Like, if you look at the Blues' retired numbers, everyone up there is almost up there for a different reason. It wasn't just they were off-the-chart Hall of Famers, sure-fired Hall of Famers. Bobby Gassoff's related to... You know, what he meant to the team, the type he was, and then it was a form of healing with the the tragedy of his death. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Al McInnes, clearly what he did on the ice was one of the greatest defensemen of his generation. Half of which, though, was still with... Calgary. Calgary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Barkley Plager, heart and soul of this organization. That's clear. Bernie Federko, the true blue. All mm-hmm. right. Brett Hall, enough said. Mm -hmm. Okay, Chris Pronger, Hall of Famer. You know, you look at what he did: wins the Norris, wins the wins the MVP. The only other person to have done that prior to him was Bobby Orr. That was the last person to do it. Okay, but then you got you got Bobby Player. What he did on the ice isn't going to you aren't going to retire his number. But fifty total years with the organization, everything he grew to meant. We fought for a a while actually, and and then got that, and then and then it got done, and 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 it may be. Number eight coming down to pick up the number five, go up. Maybe the best retirement jersey ceremony we've we've ever seen. So there's all these different reasons. Um, Some teams like the Boston Red Sox. You have to. There's requirements that are along the lines of, and I'll probably get one of these wrong. But you have to. You have to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You had to play X number of years with the Red Sox. You had to retire. And I think the as a Red Sox, and I think they changed that rule for Carlton Fisk. I think. I think mm-hmm. if that's... But I'm, I'm really... Job. So that's... Retired numbers is a fascinating one that gets people going.
0: Let me throw this one out at you. And we've debated this one on the podcast before, too. Yeah. What about David Bax's number being retired? And and I was outvoted by Jeff and Jamie. I was the only that, that was that was pro. And I understand... It, it's just... If he it, had... I, okay.
1: <clears throat> no. Yeah. And... The hard part when you answer a question like that with no is you feel like you're blasting the guy. A hundred percent. And that's not the case. Yeah. But you do have to have a retired number put you in rarefied air with a franchise. Mm-hmm. Rarefied air is different than being revered as a player. Because, to your point, you can get to the point your retired number. Like, eventually, with Toronto and Montreal, they had to stop retiring numbers, and, and they made them honored numbers. And this is another way to go with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your ring of honor is a way of, you know, your your own franchise Hall of Fame, like the Cardinals have done, different than, you know, and I know the Blues have had discussions about that kind of thing, um, detailed ones. Then, like, that's a way of honoring those players, Mm -hmm. you know, along along those kind of lines. You know, John Tudor is never going to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, but as a Cardinal Hall of Famer for for what he okay, you, you get that. That's the kind of thing there. The retired numbers, like, I don't know who your next retired number is for the St. Louis Blues. I had it in my mind. I'm still bummed about this, actually. Okay. I'm still stunned that David Perron, yeah, didn't get re-signed. I, I like, I really thought. I, I, I actually even, even as I try to un, to think about, I, I understand you know a little bit of what's going on, but even as I look at that, I go, I don't like. But I really kind of started looking at it, thinking, you know what, like I could justify based on franchise numbers, what he meant, and all this stuff. I could justify retiring Alexander Steen's number mm-hmm. because the one thing that has put Steen. Who knows about Shen down the road if he plays out this whole contract? David Perron, all those guys. What, what put what puts them in a different category than Bacchus, Oshie, Burgundy, You know some of those other guys is they is they won the cup. Yep. Okay. So right now that that that's, a, di- that's yep. a different mm-hmm. level. Um, but you would have a heck of a debate from people, even with Alexander Steen. I think if you if David Perron were to have played three more years with the St. Louis Blues. We are having, I'm I, I'm not going to go so far as to say it was a no-doubter, but we are clearly having a strong discussion about that.
0: I am, I am. And, me,
1: and and then at that point, if you happen to win a cup over that time, those final years, well, then, then it almost becomes a no-doubter. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, then it's cemented. I, I got to tell you, curves. I am still, the, the, the Perron thing is still something that I'm struggling with, and... I appreciate it if you're going to get on me about this, but I already had my heart set on and had purchased a Matthew Kachuk blues jersey. I hadn't really, but in my brain I had. And I got to tell you, those two things. it's found
1: money. Now you, go, now you can go buy something else. Right. 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 Now, now but, go out to dinner.
0: Right. Uh, but, but those two things happening leave this very sort of weird taste in my mouth about this team, and it shouldn't because this is a really excellent hockey team that has eight 20-goal scores or whatever it is, but for whatever reason, Curbs, in my head, it feels like the last couple of weeks of in free agency has been a loss.
1: Yeah, because you're looking at this and you're asking a question, which I think is a fair question to ask right now. Are you? Are, is the team better now than they were right at, at the end of the season? And I think that's my big issue. And I don't know. That you can say yes to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and play Russian roulette on that answer um, at the moment. So, so let's let's get into that a little bit. Unpack it a little. Okay, as let's they say. yeah. Let's 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 unpack this a little bit. Um, I really thought, and I and I need to preface this when I say this. This is Chris Kerber's opinion. This is my opinion. Yes, not not the teams okay i'm gonna make sure i disclaim <laughs> Clarify, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i tweeted something that was political in nature and was told i needed to add opinions on my own to my to my twitter bio i've
0: had to, have okay? to do that
1: too yeah so all right so anyway the uh like really if i add that then i can tweet that <laughs> Based on this conversation, I still don't think I'm going to go down that road again. But <laughs> right. I will add it to my Twitter bio. Okay, all right. I'm just—I'm not sure that adding that to my Twitter bio is going to get me out of the clear of doing more along those lines. That ain't so, going to
0: make this next meeting about this better. Yeah, no way. Yeah. No so way.
1: I'm going to show you I'm coachable. I heard you. I'm going to add that to my Twitter bio, and then I'm going to take a break from that stuff. Okay. Um. So, but I—I—I I, I, I do sometimes with this, especially with this topic here. Um. I, I, I thought this was going to be a no brainer. I, I really did. I, I thought you make some other moves to make it happen because he he's still a point of playing game player over the last two years, uh, and he's clearly taking care of his body. The only physical hesitation you have is is the concussion part, mm-hmm. and and I could understand that hesitation. Um, you do I, look if look David Perron is still a St. Louis Blue if. The flat cap doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I still think that there were other ways to probably get it done, and you had to use some other cap um, scenarios to, to make it happen. And some of them may have been uncomfortable, but maybe you do it. Uh, but he wanted to be here, and he was a leader in the room. He was vocal. There, uh, there's to me, there's a character aspect to this topic mm-hmm. that goes beyond David Peron. So, t- to me. And, and in a good way. I don't want that to sound negative. It, it I, I was I was stunned, like many blues fans were, when it didn't happen. Now there is the business side. Yep. Whether it was Doug Armstrong thinking I'm setting this up, you know, to make a run at Matthew. I, look, if you had re-signed David Perron at four point something, I don't know how you're finding a way. To pay because 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 look, even even without even without David Perron. You still were going to have to clear eight and a half to nine million dollars in space for this year. So as it sits right now, the blues have two hundred, according to Cap Friendly, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cap space. So you are gonna have to move out to get Matthew Kachuk and sign him to even even if even if the first year was his qualifying offer at nine million and then beyond that, nine million bucks. How are you gonna do it? okay, Tarasenko's at at seven and a half, Falk, Pareko, Krug are at six and a half. You're moving uh, – Shen's at six and a half, okay? You're moving one of those plus another piece. You have no choice. You have no choice. Who are you moving? Okay, well, a lot of people lean towards Tarasenko because of the trade request and whatever. I haven't been able to confirm yet at least from the team whether or not that's still on the table all right um, and that's a that's a fun to, another topic maybe for another day but I, I think there was great success I think Pavel Butchnevich, I think Vladimir had fun I, I mean I wonder where it all sits to be honest with you mm-hmm. uh, and and I don't know so but but somebody else is going to go okay so let's let's say it's it's Krug that, that you're gonna deal. And by the way, those guys had no trade clauses that could actually say yes or no. So that that made this extraordinarily difficult. Remember when the Blues got Ryan O'Reilly? That deal ended up happening. Patrick Berglund ended up being part of that deal. If Patrick Berglund's agent had put Buffalo on the list, I don't know that we get Ryan O'Reilly done. That's right. Okay? So keep that in mind with these no trade clauses. I totally forgot about that, too. So so now, let's just assume you could have moved one of those guys... Which one are you moving? Mm-hmm. And then at what hole? But let's say... So let, let's let's just make the argument that it was Vladimir Tarasenko at 7.5. You still had to free up another 1.5. Right. Okay? If you had David Perron, even at 4.2... Let's just say a renewed deal at 4. If you had David Perron at 4, I, I got to free up 5.5. 5. Right. Okay? Now what I'm doing... So then to pull that off, okay, I'm getting rid of a Tarasenko salary and a Krug, or a Falk. Or I'm not signing Letty. Mm-hmm. Okay? So maybe you sign Perron and not Letty. Okay? Now we're back to the problem that we had that caused us to go get Letty. Who are you going to sign on the defense? You weren't good enough defensively. Mm-hmm. All right? So I can understand the business side of that. I don't like it. But for me, I still want to say, like, the Matthew Kachucks was a gamble. And you had to put yourself to be part of that gamble, and, and they did. And it just it, that didn't go their way. If they knew that this was going to go this way with Matthew Kachuk, do you find a way to, to keep David Perron? A, that's a great question yeah. that Doug Armstrong probably won't answer until several years into retirement. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, I don't know how that all goes. I could understand fans' frustrations, but now the pressure's on the young guys to to grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you and I and I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times before, and I absolutely mean this. And and I think people know this because I there's no reason for me to BS on this podcast, but like I have never in the history of my time as a sports fan trusted a GM like I trust Doug Armstrong. Why? Just because to me, the track record And I don't ask for, that
1: because I disagree. I'm asking why.
0: Because the track record to me speaks for itself. To me, the track record is way more hits than misses. And because he seemingly does one of the most masterful jobs, Curbs, at least to me, of looking a year in advance, two years in advance, three years in advance, where I'm not... Listen, I'm worried about Stanley Cup next year, but clearly he is has this... Organization seemingly in a in the best place humanly possible since I've been a fan, and I love it. Okay, so here's
1: my question: Are the are the Blues right now a championship caliber team? Can they win the Stanley Cup this next year?
0: I mean. It- I'll be truthful. I think that they're a good team. I have a very hard time believing, Curbs, that they are an elite team. I believe.
1: Now I don't know if they win game six with Jordan Bennington. I don't know if they win game seven if you get there with Colorado with Jordan Bennington. You took game one to overtime, you won game two. I mean, you almost you you that easily could have had a 2-0 lead, but you didn't. Again, and if... You know, if my aunt had a mustache, she'd be my uncle, right? <laughs> I mean, if Achari doesn't get tripped up, do the Blues win? I don't know. Okay, there, there's yeah. a whole lot of there's there's a lot of ifs and buts that have to go your way. I keep the picture on my phone of Jamie Ben's wraparound in, in the second overtime of Game Seven with that puck on the goal line. It's on the goal line, Donnie. Mm-hmm. That was ninety seconds before Pat Maroon won it. Okay, you were you were. A Ryan O'Reilly toe hook away or just one less. You, you were a half of an inch of a groin stretch away from that ending in the second round and we're still living in misery as Blues fans. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you got to get the bounces. I, I I think the Blues had a team last year that could win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Okay, so now you look at this year and piranha is gone. So the team that I felt could win a Stanley Cup last year, if they get past Colorado... The main piece that's gone is David Perron. And that's, a, that's a sizable offensive piece, by the way. Okay? Now, look at those, off, look at those power play numbers. Somebody else is going to fill that in. Does Brandon Saad get more time? Does Cairo get more time? Who gets that time? I don't know. We'll wait and find out. Okay? So, but the question for me is not what's going to happen in the top six to make you a championship team. The question for me going into this year now is how are you going to define the bottom six? Who's on it? Mm -hmm. Is Braden Shen playing on the wing in your top top six? I mean, I would think he would be. Okay, all right. Or is he playing center in your top nine? He's been a better centerman than he has been a winger. And he's willing to do both, okay? But if Braden Shen is in your top six as a winger, as it sits right now, I don't think you're deep enough in your bottom six to win a Stanley Cup as it sits right now. Mm-hmm. Questions have to be answered. Is it Koston? Uh Is it somebody else? you got to wait till December for Toropchenko to come back. Mm-hmm. Achari's going to be there. Is Barbashev at center or is he at wing? Who's playing center on that third and fourth line if Shen is a winger in your top six? Mm-hmm. Okay, for, for, In my opinion, for the Blues to be a championship-caliber team with the way it's built now that we've gone through free agency is something I still believe from last year. Brandon Sod is on your third line. Not because he can't play in your top six, mm-hmm. but because with a guy of Brandon Sod's caliber on your third line and then getting time penalty killing, a la Oscar Sunquist, what he did, that kind of thing, okay? And Saad has more offensive ability than, than Sunquist did. But then you're starting to get the kind of depth you need. For example, if your third line, and we got to be somewhat... If, if, if your third line is in somehow a combination of Shen, Saad, Barbashev?
0: That's Oops. a hell of a third line. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, for that to happen, for that to happen, Jake Neighbors... Zach Bolduc, somebody we've never heard of or thought of, potentially, have got to slide into your top six. Mm-hmm. The other thing that has to happen for that to happen is Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas have to have top six level consistency. Yeah. Cairo had it for the first half of the season, was not very good and strong in the second half. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've got pieces like Shen and Sot and Barbashev that can play up the lineup, maybe while those guys are getting it. But those guys, one way or another, have got to get it. Mm -hmm. Not re-getting David Perron re-signed has forced that scenario to you where you've got to get it. If that happens, then all of a sudden Achari, Torebchenko, and whomever, because it's not Dakota Joshua anymore with him going to Vancouver, you know, get you some of that uh, identity that you'll have to figure out on the fourth line. Boy. That that's how I tie Perron and the, and the lack of Kachuk, all that stuff together here on that front. But but that's a lot of question marks that yeah. you have to let play out. And the one thing in the National Hockey League these days, you don't have a whole lot of time for things to play out. No, if I- it doesn't go right early enough, you you could you could put yourself in a pickle. By
0: Thanksgiving, yeah, and we saw it in 2019. Well, and I mean, and it's just so amazing how good the West is, and like you say, if you get off to a slow start, you could hose your. I mean, you could really put yourself behind the eight
1: balls. Well, Colorado's the the cream of the crop in this division. Uh, Chicago is now gone. Okay, they're they're at the bottom. Um, Minnesota. I don't know that they're better, but as is, they're they're good enough. Mm-hmm. Nashville, good enough to make the playoffs. All right, again, they're gonna they're gonna hope for some improvement. On improvement. On some of their skies, well, they're too. gonna hope from players progressing in their improvement, just like the Blues are. Yeah. So if you assume the Blues are gonna get it, which is gonna make them competitive, let's assume Nashville is. This still remains maybe. Actually, this still remains, in my opinion, the the toughest division. And it's been that way for a long time in the the NHL, without a doubt. I like it and hate it, though. I got one scenario I'm going to throw at you. Yeah, all right. All right. I I got a scenario I'm going to throw at you. And then you can throw it to the guys on the podcast next time. All right. To to see what they think. Would the best thing for the St. Louis Blues... And I'm asking this, people. I'm not saying that this is what should happen. He's got a devilish look in his eyes. God. So I have no idea. Got to make sure that people. I got one on record that I'm just asking for the sake and fun of discussion. <laughs> I'm not saying that I believe this or think this should happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Would the best thing this year for the St. Louis Blues be to slip on the proverbial banana peel? crash in the standings, and somehow find their way into a top three pick.
0: Oh, no. I, I can't go along that line of thinking. I just can't.
1: I, okay. Okay. Now, wait a minute. All right. Hang on. All right. You did say that you don't think right now that as it is, this is a championship team right now.
0: No. But I don't think that they're terribly oh. far away either. Okay. So, all right. I'm with you. All right, okay. so I'm. I'm. I think I'm falling right into your I'm trap. You. Whatever
1: it is. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you here. So, so I don't know what the prospect pool looks like for next year. All right. So again, this is this is all hypothetical, and a, and again, my disclaimer. Please remember my disclaimer. Right. I'm having fun with a discussion, not advocating <laughs> a position. All right. But if you believe that, you've got a growing core with Thomas and Cairo. Neighbors or Bolduc, maybe both over the next couple of years. You've got your defense all locked in. You've got your top four of Krug, Pareko, Letty, Falk locked in. Mikola coming along, Bortuzzo, another two years. Okay? Your defense is locked in. You got your goaltender set for the next five years. Supposedly, that's the hope, and we hope we see what we saw in the playoffs from him. Okay? From a forward standpoint... At the end of this year, O'Reilly and Tarasenko are UFAs. I'm going to assume Tarasenko moves on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you re-sign Ryan O'Reilly and his leadership, because I can't think of a better player in the NHL to have around younger kids as they're coming along. You've got Shen continued to be locked up long-term. You've got Thomas locked up. At some point, you're probably going to get Cairo locked up. Yeah. Okay. You slip on that banana peel and now somehow you find a Steven Stamkos with a top 3 pick. Now this happened to Tampa Donnie. If you go back and, re- and and look, remember it was 2000 and it was 08 when Stamkos got drafted first overall. Tampa still had Vinny Lecavalier. They had Martin St. Louis. Right? They had some really good players. They slipped on the banana peel and crashed. And they were only four years off of winning the Stanley Cup. Okay? They end up with the first overall pick. They take Stamkos. Now they get Vasilevsky coming along. And, okay, yes, it did take them a while to win that Stanley Cup with Stamkos, but they were good for a while. They went with Ben Bishop and Nett. Remember, they went to some Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. They went to some conference finals. Right? Right. Sustained so, excellence. Really so I there. ask you this question again right now. Would it be the worst thing in the world if they slipped on the proverbial banana peel this year and it ended up with a massively
0: high draft pick? I, listen, For the future. Listen, but Curbs, listen. Oh, baby. Okay, listen, though. If we're going to have this discussion with you and I, we have to factor in, okay, well, then how are my Cardinals this time next year? How did my Buffalo Bills season do? Because that all plays into uh, how I would answer this, this question. I understand. <laughs> I understand.
1: Yes. I am I'm, I'm. absolutely, basically, I'm, I'm twerking with your mental health <laughs> right. is what I'm doing right there. Well, but, could, you know, but it's a fascinating. Yeah. No. Okay. You can't tank. You're too good of a team. Yeah. Okay. So you're not pulling an Arizona. All right, you're not you're not tanking. I'm not saying that. But if some of the question marks don't pan out, it ain't the end of the world in this scenario here. Okay? Now I'm asking that question at the same breath that I'm saying that I'm thinking you're you're a veteran piece away in your depth chart of staying a, a, a Stanley Cup contender. Mm-hmm. With the way you've set up your defense now so uh, it, it's it's it could it could really kind of go both ways there, but either way some now look the team's not looking at it that way, nobody right. is you're hoping that neighbors or Bolduk Bolduk had a hell of a rookie camp, I was told um it was leaps and bounds above most, and probably could have given more um I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with, uh, with if there's a rookie tournament and then coming into camp here. Uh, but nonetheless, the, you're right. The, this team's still a, a very well coached team, a well built team. They're going to be good. The young kids are going to have to step up and fill some holes in a big way to sustain that. And then the next level of of course, when Doug Armstrong took over, he had Backus, Berglund, and Oshi, mm-hmm. Petro, as and 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 Steen as his core. That shifted to Tarasenko, Schwartz, Steen, Petro, and Pareko. That's now shifting from a youth standpoint. So I'm not I'm not nixing O'Reilly or Shen or any of this. But that's now shifting towards Thomas, Cairo, who knows Bolduk or, or, or um, neighbors, Pareko, Mikula, uh, if, if Mikula comes along. So. Um it it's a it, it's it's kind of like in in Doug's 12 years has shifted this franchise into three different young cores that have kept them as one of the most competitive teams in the league.
0: It's incredible. Yeah. Like I mean it's really incredible and that's why when I see people like uh, trashing army or doing anything about or like you know really questioning that guy I just It pisses me off so much because I'm like, guys, look at what he has done. Do you remember what it was like before him? Yeah. That, mad, that absolute madness. Like, this is just something, like, that I have just always hoped for the Blues. You know what I mean? It's well, yeah, not... but, Donnie, real quick. You know,
1: so your two most successful GMs in Blues history from a winning percentage standpoint. Larry Plo. Larry Plo and Doug Armstrong. Well, Doug Armstrong won, Larry Plo too. Mm-hmm. That stretch from ninety six to oh four oh five the lockout was actually from a win percentage standpoint the most successful decade the blues had had in franchise history yeah the down period you're talking about is in the heyday frankly for a lot of current big blues fans now was from kind of oh five oh six to eleven twelve let's say okay now in that window. You had the Bill Laurie ownership sell to the Dave Checkett's ownership. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Dave Checkett's ownership sell to the Tom Stillman ownership. What, in 2012? Mm-hmm. It was. So you had that part. The team, the year before the 04 05 year long lockout, still made the playoffs, but they made it as the eighth seed. And that was only a few years separated from having won the president's trophy making trades bringing in Scott Mellonby's Keith Kachucks, and, and and those guys they just couldn't get their goaltender. They made a pitch for they made a great pitch for Dominic Hoshik and just couldn't land him. Hoshik said no. Um so then then the down window was really not all that long. It really wasn't. And and this may fry some people. You have to give some credit to what happened hockey ops wise in turning the franchise around under the Dave Checketts regime with Yarmo Kekalainen and and Larry Plough and John Davidson mm-hmm. because that's when they that's when they started making the trades of Doug Waite twice forcing Doug to take that second trade to Anaheim that's when they traded Bill Guerin you know to San Jose for the draft pick that's when they traded Keith Kachuk. To Atlanta and then got them back, you know, and signed them. And those draft picks turned into Ivan Barbashev, David yeah. Perron, and Jordan Bennington. But in the process, they also drafted Oshie, Backus, Berglund, Eric Johnson, and, and, and those guys that took the franchise in a pretty good hurry compared to what we've seen with the Buffalo Sabres, with the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, with the Edmonton Oilers you know with other teams like that they they took that and and kind of gave some excitement that going from last place to 0, in 06 to the playoffs in
0: 09 yeah pretty good man i love hockey so much and this just this particular fall with the blues with my buffalo bills like this is a very exciting time selfishly for Donnie the sports fan it, well, what's your other team well I'm Both a Card- cardinal fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cardinals in baseball, blues in hockey, obviously, Bills in football. And then are you from Buffalo? No. No, I'm from here. I'm born and raised here. How the hell did you become such a Bills guy? Well, let me tell you, uh so when I was growing up, my dad loved John Riggins and the Washington Redskins, yeah. like loved them. Yeah. So I disliked virtually every team in the NFC East. Was I he didn't like forty four. I'm sorry, no. It was Reagan's number 44. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Big rig. Yeah. And so I just never really felt like the Cardinals were my team. So about that time uh, that they were moving, the Buffalo Bills offense with Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly, uh-huh. was, you know, it was on CBS every week. I was able to watch it and I jumped on the bandwagon and then have never. I've never came off. So I have suffered and suffered and suffered. Your and family so-
1: ever get on you a little bit? Like when you're in the car and you're asking, how do I go? Instead of saying turn left, they say wide left. <laughs> did, did they ever do that to you? you? Know,
0: that is, no, no, I'll tell you what. No, they didn't. <laughs> but poor Matthew Rocchio for, from, for Smallman and character, He was putting together uh, those questions for Randy. And last week he had a Scott Norwood question. No. And I walked up to him afterwards. I was like, why do we got to keep bringing that up? What 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 is the what is the point of continuing to bring up poor Scott Norwood and that kick over? What what did the city of Buffalo ever do to you that that is something that you just feel the need to rehash and rehash and rehash? Well, didn't Marv Levy Marv Levy coached a country day for a little while? Did he really I believe? I believe he did. I I just saw a picture of Marv the other day, yeah. and he still looks fantastic he and that's, he's like 98 um, yeah it's crazy so anyway curbs i gotta go be on the radio thank you so much for for stepping in today we really appreciate
1: it yeah we rambled for a while sorry about that hey this is what we do that's, that's, just, the that's beauty just that's of- just bouncing that's just bouncing ideas around
0: this is the beauty of the podcast and that's why we love doing it man because sometimes we get into you know what i mean diatribes about whatever and and you know they can't tell us to shut up when we're doing it on the podcast <laughs> Chris Kerber, awesome. thank you as always. We got it, Dunny. Every good right. week. For Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton, it is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Let's go blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music